Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Saturday Draft Live. It is I, the Charlotte Flair of ESSR, with all the times I've been winning the title. It's been a while since I've gone back to the title, but, you know, I probably stepped in the ring with Nia Jax, and we all know what happens there. So I've been kept away from the title for a while, but sooner or later, I will get back to it. And I want to introduce you to my co-host, my fellow horsewomen of <laughs> ESSR today. <laughs> First up. There ain't no stopping him now. He's going right to number two on the board and hopefully number one overall. If he stands in his way, he will ask to speak to your manager. It's Jack Graham. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. But uh, as as you said, the cream rises to the top and I'm certainly the cream of this draft and I will be at that top position come the end of Survivor Series and I will get that. Uh, opportunity and the ESSR title that our, our guest seems to think he's going to win this this weekend and I and I will become the ESSR champion once again Yes, you're a true role model to us all, Jack I try my best <laughs> I don't really trust this man too much because he always wears that hat and I'm often thinking that much like Sasha Banks, he's going to do a dramatic reveal where he takes the hat off and he too has dyed his hair blue as David Hockney <laughs> <laughs> it's boss time <laughs> and you know what If even if I did try to dye my hair blue there's not much left to dye <laughs> that's why you gotta do uh, it now Dave the clock is ticking mm, actually, yeah, no blue, blue doesn't suit me even though it is even though it would match my eyes because I am the most <laughs> devilishly handsome man on this podcast you know like for some reason I just kind of forgot that you were bald <laughs> except I'm not though <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you can get there. <laughs> and guys, our special guest this week. We best introduce him now before he fucks off again for a couple of months. Oh God, he's much like Becky Lynch. Everybody thought he was the best thing going. He calls himself the best women's wrestler of ESSR, mm-hmm. but then he got hooked up with that no good Seth Rollins and forgot to put something on the end of it. So much like Becky Lynch had to bugger off for a few <laughs> The goat, Dave Campbell, who I, uh, at Quiz Showdown 4, I will hit harder with my knowledge of movies than a Nia Jax punch to Becky's face. You know, uh, Scott, Scott as, uh, as I've said in private, you're the favourite for Quiz Showdown 4. I'm merely... I'm merely the, the humble victim in all of this. I don't know where all of this went wrong, but, you know, I'm going to give it my best shot, as I always do, the fighting underdog. You know, I'm, I'm not an arrogant person. Uh, so, you know, we'll just see what happens on the day. Um, I'm happy to be here today because there's been a lot said. There's been a lot of sort of uh, tension, I feel, boiling between me and the, the team here at Saturday Draft Live. So I want to come and sort of set a few things straight, talk about, you know, what's happened with my team this season and why... I am not as worried about it as you guys appear to be. Well, we'll get we'll get into all that later on. And I don't for a second trust that you are feel like the underdog or whatever for I'm, going into this bloody showdown because like if, <laughs> if you win this, then I know you'll be given the big legs like you knew it all along it was your part you had some sort of plan. I know what you're like. I plan, you know, I just, I'm here to have fun, you know, as always, uh, with my good friend, Scott McLeod, uh, and then maybe I'll have some help from my close personal friend, Andy Mitchell, we'll just need to see what happens, you know. Hmm. We'll just move on right now into the top three, and somebody who we talked about a lot in the top three when it came out last season, but we haven't actually seen that much of him in the top three this season, he's actually not that high up in the top ten overall. Uh, than we thought he would be, Jack. Is your pick, your captain? No, sorry, no, FDR's your captain, but the guy who could be your captain and Drew McIntyre with a successful retention of the WWE title, not only at Clash of Champions, but then Faith and Bobby Roode on Raw. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I won't lie, I, I shot out of it last week, not putting the caps on Drew, because even though I, I said I'd back, I'd back my boy until the day I die, I'd secretly just wasn't backing him. I thought Randy was winning it. 
But as soon as I saw the legends come out, you're like, no, there's no way that Randy's winning this. And then I also contemplated it on the Raw after. I was like, I might just do it. But if I knew this open challenge thing was going to happen, I certainly would have made the change. But it's maybe really screwed me a bit. But it's not... It's not that bad considering I had FDR defend this week and they're defending next week as well. So um, I'm quite happy keeping the captaincy on FDR than I think. Yeah, I think that I think they're in the best position for you right now with like wins over SCU and then uh, clear win or clear retention over uh, the Hybrid Two Jack Evans and Service Favorite and Helico next week should be another big point getter for you. Help keep keep you in that position that you're currently in on the table. I know you're like, if happy to you were to see Drew retain at Classic Champions and get the point, somebody who was equally unhappy was uh, one day with Hockney with Randy Orton losing. Yeah, like, you know, this is the sort of the risk you take when you compete in this draft. Like, I was very, very certain that Randy Orton was going to win the title at Classic Champions, but... You know, as we've discussed on ESSR Central this week, it doesn't seem like the feud's over between Orton and Drew. And they are scheduled to have a match on Monday, but I can see this going all the way to Hell in a Cell. And I think, I mean, the feud definitely merits Hell in a Cell match. And if Randy Orton is going to win the WWE title, this is the time to do it. And they're actually, the two of them are actually very close together on the top 10 board at the minute. Uh, Randy Orton's currently sixth with 34 points, but Drew's just below him with half a point less. Uh, in seventh place so those two are pretty much parallel in the draft so far even though Randy Orton has the captaincy advantage I'm just putting this out there now if I don't win the draft because Randy Orton's beating Drew McIntyre that's a Saturday draft live boy compromising another Saturday draft live boy and I will not be happy Dave I don't blame solely on you oh yeah so what would you call it what happened at Clash of Champions then you basically compromised me I can give Stop a fuck fighting. Stop <laughs> fighting among yourselves. Just but I do. Just I, I have to take <laughs> issue with what Jack just said there because I don't think if Jack loses this season, he can blame it on Dave. Because looking at it, Jack, I'm not saying oh, you're having a great season by all manner of speaking. Second of the table is very hard to do, as I know myself sitting rock bottom. But if you look at it, you would only be like two and a half points behind Daniel right now. You know, if you'd made Drew your captain from the get-go instead of FTR, there would be a significant sort of points difference there. It's a different thing we're talking about. Daniel starts to panic. Do do you regret that? Like, not putting the captaincy on Drew from the start? Like, just looking at those figures there? I think that I knew that FTR was a guaranteed victory at All Out to get the tag titles. And I thought, well, that's going to set me off in the on the right track with this draft mm-hmm. and where I need to go. I thought that Drew was going to lose the title sooner rather than later. And I thought, if I can at least just take him and he'll still appear in Raw and whatnot, and if he keeps on defending, I'll be, I'll be fine. Did I expect him to have the title right now? No. So maybe... it's I, I don't regret it, but I don't not regret it at the same time if that makes sense it's about it's just a bit of a weird one yeah you're kind of spot for choice when it comes to picking your captain jack because you know you've got ftr as well and they're sitting in fifth so both your top scorers are you know right in the middle of the top 10 i think if you made either of them your captain you'd be you'd be rolling in points right now Mm. Uh, it's just it's, it's i think it's something that can change each week with my team with like if this FTR brush for greatness things becomes uh, a weekly event, defending their titles against the tag division mm-hmm. AEW, but it's, I don't know, I, I could have a different answer next week than a different answer the week after that. Mm. I don't think it'll be if like Randy beats Drew for the tail, that'll cost you, because I think you still got FTR if you keep them as your, your captain. So I want to avoid any bickering between my co-hosts right now, or I will turn this podcast around <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, tension since we're just getting flared. I was getting all emotional. I've never been up this far in the draft table before, and I, 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 I'm sorry, Dave. Dave, yeah, I'm, heart. I'm sorry. I right back at you, Jack. I've I think emotions boiled over at Clash of Champions, and I was one of those people, so didn't mean to uh, didn't mean to throw you under the bus. Say like Paul Kettle again, but and see what happens. <laughs> hey, I'm like bloody Doctor Shelby on this podcast. <laughs> 
Now, do we have champions? Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, with a, a we all knew he was going to retain at Clash of Champions, mm. and that was his appearance on SmackDown in the opening segment. Is up to nineteen points for Ryan. Dave, uh, Gamble mentioned about being in last place. Ryan was in last place for the majority of season five, and already he's made up for his performance just on Roman Reigns alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, Ryan's completely turned his uh, his draft luck around. He's, he's he made the mistake of going with outsiders in the last season, but now. He was drafting first and he went right off the bat with the hottest commodity, you know, following SummerSlam. And he did the right, and I think he did the right thing too by placing his captaincy on Roman Reigns. And now it's just coming into into effect, you know, just how valuable uh, Roman Reigns is as a, as a performer. Because he is sitting on 47 points total. That puts him fourth in the top 10 overall. And, but you know what? He hasn't had frequent, uh, like, lengthy matches either. He's mainly only been focused more on. Uh, pay-per-views and whenever when he gets that title defense in with the captaincy effect that's where you see the big points coming in but it's keeping Ryan in a very very good place in the draft at the minute it's certainly better than you know down at the bottom yeah I mean even with just the occasional title defense and Roman is still a focal point on Smackdown Mm. he'll at least appear once or twice per show I think with the appearance added on with the championship and captaincy bonus and then obviously probably defences at Hell in a Cell and Survivor Series because I see him holding this at least for the end of this season. That is, that is basically what Ryan was probably back on because as soon as Rowan came back, we knew he was going right into the title picture. And if Ryan didn't pick him, then I'm sure Jack probably would have came in right after him. Yeah, that was that was kind of my, my hope. I, I thought, see, when he drafted Rizango as his first tag team, I thought, well, if he's doing that, maybe he's not drafting Rowan. I just... You know, we all know Ryan Gallagher's a bit of a pie, and I was, I was half expecting, <laughs> half expecting that to continue. So, but you know what? It's fine. I'm, I'm in a better position than I'm the now. So, so good. See, you talk about you talk the, about the, the words of Jack Graham do not reflect those of everybody on Saturday Draft Live. See, Dave, well, Dave talks about him doing better than he did last season, and I'm not d- d- disputing Roman Reigns is a great first round pick. When you look at it, great for captain, and like you say, Scott. It will make continue because it's hardly as if Jey Uso is going to beat him at Hell in a Cell, is it? You know what I mean? But like, you look at Ryan, and I've always said that I, I said it was I was blue in the face when I was uh, when I was hosting a show, and I'll say it again. He's that he was had first pick. He should be picking Roman Reigns, and he should be doing. But if you look at the rest of Ryan's draft. He shot himself in the foot because there's nothing there to back up. Roman, look at his tag team, ranked 8th out of 11. Look at his second round pick, ranked 10th out of 11. Look at his fourth round pick, ranked 11 out of 11. The only other successful picks he made for his team essentially were Finn Balor and Anna Jay, who was a stroke of genius, by the way. I'm not disputing that. But to say that the narrative is completely shifted in Ryan Gallagher as a drafter, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. He had a good position drafting first, great pick with Roman Reigns, but some of his other choices, a la Charlotte Flair, were absolutely abysmal. I I'm mean, glad you agree with the sentiment that he's a pie. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like Santos Esquire and Anthony Balor had big title defences coming up uh, this Sunday at TakeOver, so on that way, uh, that could be wise picks for for rank. I don't know about Santos Escobar, he could go either way, but Finn's definitely retaining that. That title, and I partly blame you, David uh, Campbell, for him picking Charlotte Flair because I think I think he's following your example from picking the golden role model. You got his head. You follow that basic go to uh, Scott, I can't see if I got in Ryan's head or not because he's probably going to deny it till he's blown in the face. Do I think he did? Absolutely, I do. But I'm not going to put any more words in Ryan Gallagher's mouth. All right. You see, you seen how much he. How angry he was when we even implied that he was in his head. You know, I think <laughs> they protest too much. Yeah, it, for sure. But it would be more effective if I was further up the table. You know, we'll talk about <laughs> why my why my draft strategy kind of failed a wee bit later on. But yeah, would would work better if I was above him. <laughs> and guys, I think this might be the biggest gap between second and first uh, on a top three that we've ever had. Correct me if I'm wrong. Because we went from 16 and then 19. Now we go to 45 points here. <sighs> Bloody hell. Asuka retaining the title over Selena Vega. That was never in doubt. She became she was a surprise to fight Bailey and then won by DQ. Uh, even though, like we said, 
yeah, Seven Central probably was unnecessary. And then she got another successful retention over over Selena Vega on Raw. And also being the being a captain, also successful title defenses in two out of those three. That has sent Asuka soaring up the table with seventy four points overall. She's the top pick of the season overall, beating out the heart business who are at fifty two. I mean, just goes to show how quickly things can change. But I think, you know, the the Bailey match at Clash of Champions was completely uh, unpredictable. Like, I don't think anybody saw that happening, especially, you know, with... But, you know, with the COVID outbreak in WWE at the minute, you know, Nikki Cross had to be pulled from the match and the women's tag team title match got cancelled too. But if anything, I think that just goes to show how thin the SmackDown women's roster is. The fact they can't even just find a simple replacement challenger for Bailey on their own brand. They actually have to bring in the champion over from the other brand. It's, I think it's pretty poor. But, you know, in terms, in terms of scoring points, though, I mean, three title defenses in the space of two days, or three title wins, I should say, two of which were on pay-per-view. Uh, it's, a, it's a godsend. I think also... I think they've got a limited team that they want to use for shows because of also the recent COVID outbreak. They only want to use people they need. So I think that they wanted to bring somebody in from the outside, uh, like bringing a random member of the SmackDown roster who potentially came in contact with somebody, which is apparently has some reasons to why they're not doing the brand v brand thing at Survivor Series because they want to like, keep only keep it to the people they need for shows to prevent COVID outbreaks. But I, think, I do think. Like booking wise, I mean, we've seen Carmella revealed as a mystery over on SmackDown. You know, I think she was their only other option other than maybe Alexa Bliss, like rushing her on a, a pay per view with her deep, like re debut against Bailey. But I think it was all about that angle with Sasha. And with this, like, those couple of title wins, Asuka is clearly the top female of the season. As I pointed out last week, for the first time in a long time, Bailey is not in the top 10 of the season. And let's get to the reason why, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where it comes into because I have to commend Alan for picking Asuka in the first round. It's something that I thought would have been a complete oversight from people. I didn't. Th- I honestly thought that I would be able to get in the first round, and that's where my strategy came in. To be perfectly honest and blunt about it, my strategy was to completely have a lockdown on the women's division in the draft. That was what I wanted to do. And if I had done that, if I'd managed to get Asuka, as was always the plan for my round one, I would be sitting in a completely different position as I am today. However, Alan drafted Alan drafted Asuka ahead of me, adjusted on the fly, and it didn't work with Rollins. And that's basically what happened. We'll talk about the Golden Role Models thing till we're blowing the face. But I stand by what I did in the sense that it shook up the draft. It meant that no one could get them as singles picks, like I said. And also, they're not even the worst performing tag team of the season. In hindsight, do I wish I'd pick someone like the Street Profits or something, or even the Hurt Business, as Gary did in quite possibly the biggest uh, <laughs> the biggest pick in draft history. An absolute innovative shout from Gary there that's done him well, perhaps. But... It all hinged, my season hinged on the fact that I couldn't get Asuka in round one. And that's what spoiled me. And you can say what you want about it. I'm last in the table. I still think there's a chance that I'll survive the relegation zone because you look at Stephen Wilson's team, there really isn't much there. You look at Grant's team as well. It's a bit abysmal unless Johnny and Candice somehow both win NXT TakeOver 31, in which case, game's a bogey for me. But I've got enough... I've got enough variables in my team wherein any of these picks could win in any given week, so I'm not too concerned at the minute. I mean, yeah, you look at Stephen, he's dangling there at 90 and uh, number 9 there, you know, he's walking along the razor's edge, as it were. And even if Sasha and Bailey do start feuding for like, the rest of the season, they appear together and say that's like one or two points per show. That's still, mm-hmm. I, don't, I still don't think that's enough to get you out of unless the rest of your team is performing strongly as well. And we've just seen Selena Vega. Uh, Selena Vega lost two major matches to Asuka. Big mm. E, maybe, you know, he's got a, a false count anywhere match with, with Sheamus next week. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tommaso Ciampa is not doing anything. Nikki Cross disappeared uh, before mm. Club Champions. So, like, looking at the rest of your team, it's very... It's very touch and go. I think right now I feel that you're going to be able to find a way out of relegation. 
it is touch and go. I'll, I'll be honest about that. But you look at Rollins. There's this ongoing Mysterio family drama on Raw. He could pop up, get a few wins anytime with that. Vega, they seem to be teasing something again with Andrade, just based on that Andrade promo. I don't think the story between them is necessarily over. Big E, a big singles push is coming for E. I don't doubt that. I'm happy having my team. I think the lead up to Elena Sell and Survivor Series will prove great. Champa, um, I think, will be Kyle O'Reilly's next feud, just based on the interaction they had in NXT last week. Nikki Cross has COVID. Nothing I can do about that. But like you say, Scott, like, any, like I say, look at this team compared to Wilson's team, where you've got the Viking Raiders, who's injured, Orange Cassidy, who's a bit colder right now, Raquel Gonzalez, who's done absolutely nothing, and Otis running about with his money in the bank like a complete tube. I'm more confident <laughs> that my team can outperform Wilson for the rest of the season than his can outperform mine. Like I said, the only variable is if Gargano and Larry win at NXT take, take over 31, my season's finished, and I can accept that at that point. I do. I actually think that at least one of them, one of them getting a big title and on takeover or not both is a possibility. So I think like it's less about doing better than Grant. You need somebody else in the table like a Wilson to do worse, so that you can overtake them. Because if Grant does really well at takeover, then I think he saved himself from relegation. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he will. I think they both lose. So that's what I'm saying. I'm actually betting that. Grant loses points at NXT TakeOver 31, and who's going to get him out of the relegation zone after that? Bloody Penelope Ford. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, Grant loses, Grant loses at NXT TakeOver 31, Grant is screwed, and then it's a battle between me and Wilson, and that's a battle I would take great pleasure in winning, let me tell you right now. Hey, we'll come back to TakeOver later on, but I think we'll, uh, we'll dive into the top 10 uh, or sorry, the top eleven. I keep forgetting it's eleven this this season. Hey, we cracked up to eleven this season yet? <laughs> yep. Number eleven is Dio Campbell. As we've uh, we talked about yes! at fifty-one, he's not quite <laughs> at fifty-five yet. Uh, number <laughs> ten is Grant McRobbie uh, with fifty-nine, just a little bit over. Stephen dangling towards the relegation zone with sixty-four points. Uh, Ross is in eighth with seventy-six. Me and Gary are technically tied, but Gary's been put in seventh and I'm in sixth. We've both got 81 and a half points. Ryan Gallagher in fifth, right in the middle of the table with 90 and a half points. A lot of half points this bloody season. Because <laughs> David Hockney's got 95 and a half. Alan McLucas with one, uh, 101 and a half. Jack Graham, 109. And then a bit of a bump up here with 122 and a half with Daniel Campbell. And I think, like, we talked about how Clash of Champions would affect the, the leaderboard. And I think once the two, the two matches were called off, the two women's matches, that mm-hmm. really affected things because Mickey Cross potentially winning removed some hope from, from David Campbell, even though we had a few, you got a few points from Charlotte, or sorry, from Bailey and Sasha appearing together. Mm-hmm. And then Ross's only point scare for the, for the night, Shayna Baszler was removed from the show. And obviously, David, you weren't happy with Randy losing, but you could have still got some points from Naya, but then she was removed. So that, that limited two could really move up the table because Daniel kept his lead because we all knew Street Profits were probably going to win. Uh, I don't think we could have foreseen how well Asuka would have done like appearing twice in the show. So that roared Alan up a few places. He's, he was in second. Of, he's now moved down to third. And I think, I don't know if Asuka will have too many weeks like this, so I think in the next week he may move down to fifth or sixth at some point. Uh, I've got myself a, a nice home in the middle of the table thanks to retention from uh, the artists who have now went into they've made a place for themselves in the top five newcomers of the season because obviously Shinsuke's been chosen as a singles pick before but it's the first time Cesaro has been part of the season and the first time either of them have been in it as part of a tie team with 16 points although I could have used Ruby Riot on that show but she was removed as well Okay, I think you know I think um Ruby Riot's removal actually did you a favour because I, th- I didn't see Riot Squad winning the tag, the women's tag titles. And we've been told that apparently that, that tag title match is going to happen as soon as both teams are able to come back. Or yes. they decide to like, change things up and just keep the titles on them or are they going to go if they retain that going to be the original plan or are they just going to like change it up because they had to remove them for COVID. Like, I'll be very interested to see what happens with the outcome of that match when they come back. But, like I said, there wasn't actually much room for people to move up the table because, like, other than Asuka, Alan had Angel Garza, who's now injured, looks like he's injured. Mm. And uh, Alan had uh, Jeff Hardy, who, along with Stephen Speck of AJ Styles, both lost to Sami Zayn, who's went undrafted. And, like, 
I know we all flag uh, Ryan for picking Charlotte, and I hope that she'll come back at some point this season. If somebody decided to play a blinder and just choose Sami Zayn, they'd be laughing right now. Oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd done it. Honestly, God. Like, I would commend you for it, David. I would have commended you for that. Oh, man. Yeah, and yet, except last season, the big ginger bastard didn't do anything. <laughs> and speaking of ginger bastards, Seamus, I only chose him because Jeff Hardy and Big E got stolen out from me. I, I, I don't really regret Jeff Hardy as much given what happened to him last couple of weeks. But <laughs> Jeff, Hardy was points. Jeff Hardy's lost more points this week than anything else. He and Dakota Kai, who are both in Allen's team, are now back down to zero. Yeah, I think uh, Dakota Kai's got zero at the minute. Uh, and I wanted Big E as well, who I think is going to beat Seamus in that first hour match next week. And I was on the spot and I chose Seamus just kind of off the top of my head. I pulled that one at my ass. And I think it's shown because even though he got that win over Shorty G this past week, he's still like not really done much for my team. Like, he and Corbin basically got fed to Roman and Jay for a couple of weeks at the start of the season. <sighs> you know, but what can you do? Like, Rebby Robbie tried to warn me, don't trust a ginger. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't. Cannot trust Wilson. Cannot trust Seamus. Can't trust anyone. Although, what's weird is, my worst pick right now is Moods. It's not no longer the artist now that they've got a successful title defence. But my worst pick is now Sean Spears. Who like appeared on on Darb only start to do commentary the lazy bastards. But <laughs> usually my worst pick is on eight points, which is actually higher than everybody else's worst pick for some reason. And I like who's Sean looking at the who's who everybody's worst pick is here. You got likes of Charlotte Flair, Paige and Omega, uh, Rhea Ripley, Timothy Thatcher here, and yet mm. Sean Spears has more points than any of them. Like that something is wrong with that. Well, and that's the thing, Scott, because you look at your team and you say, on paper, well-balanced. Like, you're looking at that thinking, that, that's a good, strong team like from the ground up. But the problem with it is captaincy. The problem with it is having a strong captain. And I talked about earlier, like, my plans in the draft being screwed, and it essentially comes down to I don't have a standout performer on my team to put the captaincy on. And I think that's probably that's the same with you. You've got a really good team there in parts but you don't have the options of who's going to get me the double points who's going to send me up the table like I'm looking at past draft performances right now um, and the two seasons I performed best season one and season three I had strong captains each time both of which were Bailey who like managed to catapult me up the table the other two seasons I had Baron Corbin for season two and I can't remember quite frankly who I had for season four so it can't be that good Um, but that it goes down to that in the end the the bread and butter of this league with the captaincy rule is that if you don't have a strong captain in your team you're not going to win it and now with the relegation zone in play it leaves you if the rest of your team isn't uh, putting the numbers in which Fortunately for you, yours are, then it does leave you in danger of relegation zone. And it's exactly what's happened to me, Grant, and Stephen on that boat this year. See, to that point, you know, you need a strong captain, absolutely, but you also need uh, your other team members to essentially support that mm. captain as well. And looking around, there's actually almost uh, everybody has, uh, almost everybody's picks are now scoring uh, at least some points. I think the only exceptions are uh, Ryan. Uh, has not scored any points with Charlotte Flair, but Alan is now back down to as we as for mentioned, two of his team are on zero points now, mm. uh, and yet he's sitting in four, uh, third place. Sorry, excuse me. And well, that's the difference, you know. Alan doesn't draft Dakota Kai, doesn't draft Jeff Hardy in those rounds. He could be sitting first, but he's up against the the thing about the draft is it's like I've always said, combination between safe and making those risks. And Daniel did that. Look at his two scoring picks. Street Profits, really safe traditional tag team choice. John Moxley, around one pick that I and I'm sure many others looked at and was like, "You fool!" And look how well it's turned out from an end. It's that it's that combination getting the captaincy, making sure your whole team's performing, but also taking those risks as well when you feel that the time's right to do that. And that's why he's top of the table. And and we are not right now. To, to an extent, Jack's done the same thing. It just so happens he also drafted uh, Mickey James. So <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> as, as I said before the recording, who would have thought that Mickey James would have more points than Rhea Ripley? <laughs> not me. I mean, 
Ray Ripley has been a, a first round pick. Has been was my first round pick in season four, and she actually did very very well. I think she's she's definitely had a bit of a a cool down period when it came to NXT, and I think I think she's actually become too big for NXT. You know, I think she'd thrive more on Raw or SmackDown, and I think this could be evident come the draft, which is the well the WWE draft, not our draft, uh, WWE's draft, which takes place next week. Mm. Here's, a, here's a question for you before we, before we get into any more draft chat. It's obviously it's being announced. I think it's like it's two weeks that uh, John Moxley is going to be defending his title up against Lance Archer. There's meant to happen last week, I think, or the week before. Mm. I had in my head that Lance Archer is comfortably going to win this. Like not like just even for like a like a, a story point. I feel like it was kind of make sense. Do you see John Moxley retaining? Yeah, easily. I don't know, because like, you also got to think who's going to win that tournament they've got. Mm-hmm. The winner of that match faces the winner of that tournament. They're doing that full gear. And part of me, out of spite, doesn't want Lance Archer to win. Because, <laughs> you know, he, he failed to win the TNT title for me last season. So, you know, fuck him. So, <laughs> but then again, it would it might bring Daniel down a bit and help you go up, Jack. So I'm kind of, I'm of two minds about that. Because we talk about teams being evenly balanced. When you actually think about it, Daniel Campbell's like Street Profits is as the raw tag division is right now, Street Profits is actually helping the Street Profits because it doesn't look like they're going to lose them many times soon. Alexa Bliss and Kevin Owens appeared in the same segment this week. And like they've been appearing kind of regularly, especially Alexa. Jericho mm. is always a part of uh, Dynamite in whatever role in the card he's in, even when he's on commentary. And somehow, out of a fluke, Mercedes Martinez just happens to be in bloody retribution. <laughs> and now... I mean, she won't be appearing for the next two weeks because the retribution has to isolate, but still, well, how lucky that was. Like, she goes from losing a cage match for him to then appearing on Raw alongside Buddy Mace Windu and T-Bar and Swatnik, <laughs> whatever they're called. Mace Laser, Blazer, Taser. <laughs> I'll tell I can I, I, I do... I, I, Listen, I'm not going to tell you too much because when we do the sweeps and that, I want you to make a bloody mistake uh, and, and, and bet against John Moxley every time. This title reign ain't ending anytime soon. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. They're, they don't have a star who can replace John Moxley as AEW champion right now, especially a U champion. And that's just that's just the way it is. I like Lance Archer as a performer. I think he's a good worker. But do you honestly see Lance Archer selling out arenas? I need to see Lance Archer selling out arenas, David. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, David, nobody's selling out arenas right now because we're not allowed to have full arenas anymore. <laughs> no, that, like, you're not going to turn... The, I don't think you turn the channel for Lance Archer as champion, especially when their opposite brand has Finn Balor. You know, it's not going to happen. They're keeping that title on Moxley for the foreseeable, and if anyone's taking it off Moxley, it is Kenny Omega. I mean, some of us have, have fond memories of Lance Archer. And WWE ECW brand <laughs> with his great general manager Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to quickly talk about uh, NXT Takeover this Sunday uh, because we're looking at who can gain points. We already talked about the brand that could be a make or break thing for him. Also, it's a weird fight between Grant and uh, Stephen. As I mentioned, Stephen's in ninth; so he's dangerously close to the top, uh, bottom two spots. He has Io Shirai. So he could save himself uh, just from a, a, a title retention for her. Jack, I know nobody's got Kyle O'Reilly, but you do have Adam Cole. Baby. Team, do you, do you Shut Adam up, Cole? Dave. I swear <laughs> to God, you're going to the The kicks in the ass are, are mounting up here. Uh, <laughs> do you see Adam Cole, Jack, getting involved uh, maybe to help and then backfiring or trying to cost uh, Kyle O'Reilly the match just for appearance points for yourself? I think he will. I think he will be the all, all of undisputed era will be involved in the match in some way. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll make an interference, or at least I don't think Adam Cole will make the interference. Also, a lot of reports are coming out that the plan is to turn Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly face, but keep Roderick Strong, Strong, Roderick Strong, and uh, Fish heels. So I, I I don't know I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I I can see that maybe being quite a focal point of NXT going forward. But unfortunately, I don't think Kyle O'Reilly's going to win. No, no I think that's a, I think for title retention for Finn, that's, which would be easy points for Ryan. I don't know if Escobar again could go either way. 
Do you think uh, it, it, it's really telling that B's angle, that they've been doing a thing to crown number one contenders for B's angle, and yet their tag title match is not on the show? Instead, they've randomly thrown Kushida and Velveteen Dream on there mm. instead of a tag title match. I think this also comes down to, you know, the, the ratings war, you know, because I think you need to, you can't just have all the big matches on takeovers. I think you need to spread title matches sporadically on, like, TV time as well, because that'll help draw in TV ratings. And, you know, the tag team scene at the minute, you know, it's, I mean, given the unique setup they're doing, you know, they're having, you know, Roderick Strong and Danny Burch go against, I think it was uh, Eichner and Raul Mendoza. So, uh I mean, it was probably the most maddest tag team match I've ever seen in my life. But it's uh, it certainly makes things interesting from you know Breeze Angle's perspective. You know, shake things up a bit. But I, I can see Takeover being a big night for potentially Ryan Grant or Stephen. I think these are the ones we want to keep an eye on. And uh, Gary, because I forgot, Gary actually has Damien Priest. Yep, he does. Yeah, successful retention for him. Could not only be good news for him, but also good news for you, David Campbell. Because mm. obviously, as you said, a bad night for Grant would be a good night for you. It will hopefully overtake him <laughs> and get yourself one step closer to getting crawling your way out of uh, the relegation zone. And that's and that's just it. And look, when when he did draft uh, the Garganos, I was thinking, no, the picks I would have made. Like I've always had this thing against Candice Lurie, um, and she's she has proved me wrong in the past couple of months. I'm really really liking the new characters those two are playing. But NXT's keeping Grant afloat right now. He's the top NXT scorer, 27 points he's got from that brand just between the two of them. Um, but like like you say, Scott, it's not about always how well you perform. Um, it's about the people you're up against having bad nights and I honestly do believe that not only will Grant's two picks lose but I do you're saying about interference in that main event I think it'll be Champa who costs Kyle O'Reilly in the end I think there will be shenanigans between the Undisputed Era but I do think that Champa will be the man that is, that is the one to cost Kyle O'Reilly that opportunity in the main event so if Grant loses those points for the Gaganos I gain a wee appearance for Champa that's a good <laughs> night for David Campbell you know, I think I think one of Gargano and Candice is going to win. I don't think both of them will lose. And Do you if think I was that makes sense, though? I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I think Gargano is more likely to win because he's already challenged. He had that North American mm. title shot before Digor a couple of months ago and then lost. And I think they're going to try and build pieces of underdog who, like, got the tail taken away from too soon, much like they used to do to Gargano, who never got long title reigns when he was a face. So, no. so you can have Square lose two big North American title opportunities on takeover within a short, short space of time. And I'm less sure about Candice because I think the plan originally was going to be she wins the title and then feuds with it with uh, Tegan. And mm. now Tegan is injured. And uh, although you do potentially have Rhea Ripley waiting in the wings, so, which could be good for Jack Graham's team. See, I, think, <sighs> I actually think Candice is going to win. Yeah, I'm more worried about Candice than I am, Johnny. Because I think... I don't think it's impossible to rule out that Rhea Ripley and possibly even Io Shirai could get drafted to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. And then Candice, as a heel champion, can build up talent such as uh, Shotzi Blackheart, who's been getting a lot of momentum as of late. And you've still oh, got... Oh, that just works well for your team, though, Dave. Well, it's very, very, very convenient that Shotzi you bring up. Oh. Um, just, I, li- I like Shotzi. You know, like, comes out with the, the tank and the, the helmet and stuff. It's... You know, it's definitely a unique mm. character. You're a wee bam, Dave. You're a helmet. Hey, I'm the exact opposite of a wee bam. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an established country club member from the from the land of East Renfrewshire. Oh, give me a break about your knockoff champions lunches, but I think Dave does bring up a good point about the, the, the draft that's going to be significant to this season, to say the least. You look at it, could Keith Lee go to SmackDown? You know, that's a question. There's a story with Drew there, but it seems like they've cooled off on him in the past couple of weeks. Look at Andrade could do with a switching brands. That would be good news for uh, for Gary. Dave, even yourself, Apollo Cruz over to SmackDown's a possibility. Alan, Jeff Hardy to Raw. There's so many things that in this in this um in this draft that could shake up our draft. You know, there, there's so many mm-hmm. things that could do it. And it's unpredictable. I'm not even going to <laughs> worth making any more of a comment or prediction on it, but only to say that it's going to be a force that none of us can control and none of us, quite frankly, seen coming to an extent. 
Yeah, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen. We've thought a bit of draft is needed for a long time, but like you've got potential, like you're smattering people appearing on the first night of the draft, but then going over to Raw on the Monday, so people appearing on both shows, which could really mm-hmm. help their appearance-wise for certain picks that aren't performing very well. Uh, I think AJ is a, is a shout to go to Raw. That's what I'm worried about. I, I agree, yeah. If he does, I hope he, doesn't he loses. Want to be he doesn't want to be on the same show as Paul Heyman. <laughs> if he goes to Roy, better lose every match in a feud with Drew McIntyre, and then I'll be sitting there absolutely laughing all the way to the bank. But I think <laughs> I think a pair that I could see going to Raw is Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss, Oof. because the the, the the women's division in Raw is a bit lackluster than now, and with this kind of pairing of Bray and Alexa going on Bray's appearing on Raw on the Kevin Owens show coming up and then they've got a match on Friday as well on the draft I think if you put Bray and Alexa over they could easily be top contenders for the two titles over in that show whereas the now on Smackdown you can't really see it I think that's great it's a great point because I can imagine Asuka and The Fiend having interactions with each other. Oh, my God. That's gold written in paper but it's also what happened to Smackdown Jack Bad news for you, because we know what happens when the fiend sticks his hand in your gub, you change. And if Kevin Owens is getting an R heel run right now, he's getting more points for old Danny Boy over there. That should be something that worries you. That's all I'm going to say about that. Ah, he's got those. Be fine. I think it's more likely. I think it's more likely that Kevin Owens goes to SmackDown and away from one-eyed Alistair uh, <laughs> than Alexa and Bray going away Raw because. Well, for one, they've set the seeds for the Bray uh, Roman feud with Alexa staring at Roman, and then also introducing wobbly walrus to the to the funhouse <laughs> as a direct shot at Heyman, who is advocating for Roman. So I think you you can't really move them right now. Mm-hmm. Like like it was like the, like the time where in the last draft they they drafted Brady Smackdown right before they won the main Raw title, and they had to change it from red to blue. Mm. And we've talked about uh, NXT as well, and uh, David Campbell. We should mention that at Clash of Champions and the sweepstake, it was a tie between yourself and Sarah. Yes. And so we're now going to a tiebreaker here at NXT Takeover and the battle of people who have cashed in on me uh, <laughs> to determine the new uh, ESSR champion. Well, as always, just remember who cashed in first. And imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, but oh, it's still imitation uh, at the end of the day. Now, there's nothing against Sarah. It's just that I've decided. I said to Ross before the soup state, I've decided I'm going to win this one, and that's exactly <laughs> what I plan on doing. Uh, like I've called my shot. I want the SSR title back, title number six, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do, boys. Because Jack, Dave, Scott, what do you guys love more than anything? You love You love ratings. You love ratings, boys. And you know with the GOAT as champion that business will be booming tomorrow, I saying from MVP, and ratings will go up. Because when I win the ESSR title, I'm going to restore it to its former glory. I will force Stephen Wilson to come on this show and use his season opportunity, which by the rules should be used as soon as possible, by the way. So he's actually sleeping on that uh, to suit himself. So I'll solve that problem. You're welcome, by the way. And then also, his missus has been holding the spare change in the tin for a lot longer than legally she should have been allowed by the rules of that particular contract. So <laughs> I'll be asking his missus to show up and then he she can cash in on me after I beat her fiancé. You know, that's what's going to happen here. And then on top of that, I have to put your host, one of your hosts in line because I'm going to be the underdog. I was going to say crush him, but I'm not the favourite, as I said. I'm going to to do what I can to conquer uh, the bully that is Scott McLeod at Quiz Showdown 4. And at that point, I will have re-established myself as the GOAT amongst GOATs as a six-time ESSR champion. And that is the narrative that you guys should be following. You're welcome. Well, first off, David, you didn't give me a chance to get to say what I loved most. And <laughs> you should be reading. And I'd say ratings are just right up there with, alongside my love of uh, youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. What? <laughs> <laughs> if you get that reference, I love you. But 
But yeah, <laughs> I know I get what you said about Laura. I mean, in the time she's won it, Andy Mitchell's won a second one, cashed in successfully, and then fucked off from the podcast as soon as they lost it. And the time Not part of the fun. And with Stephen, I think it's just as long as he gets the title, he makes his shot before uh, Survivor Series, then he's fine. But I actually almost forgot for a while that he won the last season and has that opportunity. So he should really get his thumb out and uh, get to it. But I think he's just waiting to see who he has to face between you and Sarah. And Sarah. You know, like he can face Sarah all he wants, but you know, does is the Steven against Sarah, you know, really fill you with the same blockbuster excitement, you know, as a, a replication of the season one draft opportunity where I competed against Steven for his title? You know, there's a story there, boys, and I'm not saying that I'm a storyteller, but I'm just saying I'm telling you a story, you know what I'm saying? The story was you fell flat in your arse when you cashed in that opportunity. When? No, no, no. No, no, no. Dave, 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 Dave. Yeah. I like you, Dave. Right, <laughs> let's remember that. <laughs> I mean, even if you get a relegation, you're not winning the season, David. So I think it's a case of if you can't win the season, be the champion by the end of the season so you can crush the dreams of whoever did win the season. So... I get entirely oh. why you're, you're doing this. Or you could... Uh, sure. Oh, no, the, the most satisfying feeling is when you win a season and the title at the same time. Like, oh my God, uh-huh. you're, like, you're like sitting on top of the world when you do, when you stop, do that. P- please stop being so self-absorbed, Dave. We're talking about me. Uh, but also, <laughs> I, would, I would also like to say that if I, I'm going to put this out to Stephen and Grant right now. See if I was those two, I would be finding ways to self-sabotage myself for the rest of the season. Because can you imagine the unlucky bastard who has to be in the relegation in the purgatory battle with me next season? The constant sort of abuse they will be getting, the constant <laughs> messages from me, that is not a good place to be. If I was them, I'd make a deal like, look, let's just let them get out of this zone and the two of us can battle out next season because it's going to actually be purgatory for whoever ends up in there with me if that is the case. Cabo, Cabo, what, what if I put this to you? All on a, all on a hypothetical sense, of course. Mm. Say, say everything you say does come true by the end yeah. of this season. You are the champion, and let's say I I won yes. this this table. When it gets to the season seven kickoff, mm-hmm. I will cash in then against you mm-hmm. on that show. It's, and it's just get it off with straight away. It, listen, we'll see what happens. If if you win, that's great. It's it's good ratings, Jack. You know, I would happily. You know, main event against you as a main event against everyone as the main event of ESSR. Uh, but if not, then I'll just have Daniel Campbell use his opportunity on the conspiracy theory and get the ratings up there. I'll spread the <laughs> love around however I want. You know, like I am a fighting champion across all shows. I'm like the women's tag team title. Ian, David, how, how bad would it be for you, though, if Jack did cash in and win, given that you spent a lot of his first time in the draft? You know, berating him, undermining him, calling him the brave yeah. little toaster. And, oh, and now look where he is now. And you're, and you're welcome. Look where he is now. All thanks to me. You know? All <laughs> thanks to all thanks to the, the, the words of encouragement that I gave him as the host of this show. Who have you built up like that, Scott, since I've been away? See if you'd been harder in, in, in Ryan. He might be winning this season. You know what I mean? We did, we were up the pitch of Ryan for being in last in uh, time. Five. You never, came, you never came up with a animated film-inspired nickname, did you? That was your key mistake. Yeah. I mean, okay, I'll, okay, I'll come over now. He had the Lion King, Lion King two of performances in the draft last season. How about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me just—I I know how to push your fucking buttons, David. Don't fucking tell <laughs> Love will find a way. Is up there with the greatest Disney songs of all time. So don't even start me, Scott McClellan. Don't even start me. And, and also I can feel the animosity here and, we, and being the, the shells that we are we need to promote Quiz Showdown 4 Quiz Showdown goes Hollywood yes. as it's is being known myself, David Campbell 30 minute movie trivia Iron Man match to finally settle this score between us and David you mentioned like, you don't know where this animosity suddenly came from since you've seen no that idea. No clue. let me tell you David exactly where this came from 
Okay. Yeah, I I betrayed you at the season four kickoff, and I needed to. I needed us to be even. Mm. So, and I thought we'd move on from there, and we were. We were creating the best show ESSR had. It was great. And then you left. Mm-hmm. And David, you're a lot of things. You know, you've got a bit of an ego about you. You know, you're very cocky. You're very good. You've shown that I'm very good at winning predictions. But most of all, what's worse is your selfishness. Yeah. You selfishly. You selfishly left me high and dry to carry this show. Yeah, you said, oh, aye, we built up this show. We've got this great chemistry. Now I can't hack it anymore. I need to leave. I and did. So, yeah, you, here, you carry the burden. And you need to build up new people and p- continue the legacy that we've left. And then you came back. Mm. You came back and like nothing had happened. You just walked back into ESSR with your new, brand new show. Talking yeah, all the old, Check out my new show. Shush, I'm talking now. We came back in with your new show and going on about it, and everybody's like, "Oh, welcome back, Dave! Welcome back!" And I looked at like, "How dare you? How dare you just walk back in here as if nothing happened? How dare you walk back in here without apologising to me for walking out on me for abandoning me, abandoning our baby Saturday Draft Live, leave me to pick it up myself along with my new co-host?" And David, I'm going to beat you at Quiz Showdown. And with all said and done, you will fucking apologize to me. And you will know that I was the better man. And finally, we will move on. And I will get back at you for being such a selfish prick for abandoning me in the first place. (sighs) I, 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 I don't know what to say. Scott, I didn't realise what you wanted was an apology. Is that? Do you want an apology? Is that what you I want? I don't want your apology. I don't want your phony apology. I want it after I'm quiz. Gonna, I beat you. I'm going. I'm going to give you it now, Scott. I apologise sincerely. I apologise. I apologise <laughs> for what I'm going to do to you. Quiz showdown for you, little punk. I'm going to destroy you, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> David, Jack. On the spot, who's winning at Quiz Showdown? Scott McLeod. Scott McLeod. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know where your bed is. I've made a video that says so, and I've sent it to the the producer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell you right now, Scott, that with the the training. Uh, I told you there was a plan. There was a greater plan in works for why I got Andy Mitchell to cash in on this show. Andy Mitchell was me a favour, and now Andy Mitchell is training me for Quiz Showdown Four. It's funny how everything works out in the plans of the go, isn't it? Just but just because he looks like Fraser doesn't mean he knows a lot about film. So <laughs> do just slow your roll. I don't need anybody's help to beat you, David. Yes, because you have no friends. Okay. <laughs> you call Andy Mitchell friends? A close personal friend, Andy Mitchell. So you, told me multiple, you told me multiple times how much he hates you. Oh, he, his yeah. exact words were, I love myself to sleep at night planning that man's death. <laughs> well, what, if that's not friendship, I don't know what it is. To be fair, Scott. So. Well, on that, I don't know what the much is, if there's much else to talk about, so... I guess we'll uh, have to bid you all adieu. I want to say thank you to Jack Graham for joining me once again. No, thank you, Scott. Thank you. Uh, David Hockney. Thank you, Scott. And go and win, go and win Quiz Showdown for Saturday Draft Live. <laughs> and uh, to the former co-host mm. of Saturday Draft Live, my former friend, David Campbell. Thank you. Fuck you. Bye. <laughs>